Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through to the end, through to 22. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. G'day again, everyone. Uh, if you missed it before, my name is Scott. I'm the pastor here. And we love having Christine on, on our team. Christine is one of our key leaders who really helps us think hard and, and then put into action some of our plans around this, this aspect that we're talking about today, membership. I want to start today, though, with a question. Uh, have you ever felt excluded that, that you just don't belong somewhere? Uh, let me tell you a story about when this happened to me. Um, it was not long after my wife, my wife is Pip, it was not long after we'd started kind of seeing each other and it was towards the end of this particular year and Pip invited me to come to her work's Christmas party and I thought, well, I don't really want to go there, but I guess I've got to now, don't I? <laughs> um, I spent most of the time feeling a little bit intimidated. You see, I wanted to make impression. These, these are not just workmates, Pip, but, 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 but good friends. I, like, I want to make a good impression this, on this night. But I felt like I was constantly on the outer. You know, here were a bunch of people that knew each other. They didn't just work together, but they were friends together. And I was just this random new guy on the block. No one knew me. But I never really felt excluded that night until we sat down at a long kind of park bench. People on, you imagine a long table, people on either side of the table. I'm up one end of this table, and most of the other people are down there. No one is opposite me. Uh, and so I kind of felt a little bit again, on the fringes of this group. But then it happened. There's a guy, we were sitting side by side, and he just kind of leant into the conversation and turned his back on me. And I'm sitting there going, well, now what? (laughs) That's the moment. I feel like it's all going wrong. I don't belong in this place. Then someone pointed out to him how he'd turned his back on me, and that made me feel even worse because it's being pointed out how much of a loser this guy is, but... Anyway, last week I told you I value acceptance and then you can imagine how I felt at this point. 
Now, fortunately for Pip and I, it didn't put an end to us. But in the moment, it felt pretty average. Maybe you've experienced something, not, not exactly like this, but, but a time when you felt like you're excluded, like you just don't belong here. It's not nice, is it? I think it's not nice because it, it attacks our sense of self-worth, especially if it keeps happening again. You're kind of forced to ask yourself the question, well, why am I not being included? Is there something wrong with me? What am I doing here? Perhaps you've felt like this before. Perhaps there's a part of your life where, where you feel like this is happening to you now. Well, we're, we're about to see in the Bible when this happened to a group of people. Um, we're, we're working through a series at the moment called Who Are We? We're reading this letter called Ephesians. It was written just after Jesus' life on earth. It's written by a guy named Paul. He's one of the early Christian leaders. It was written to a church in the ancient city of Corinth. You can see it there on the screen from a modern day. That's where it is if you were looking on Google Maps. But as we read this letter, what we're seeing is that there's five big purposes, five things that God wants our lives to be shaped around, that God wants our church to be shaped around. And as Christine read that part of the letter before, we met some people who were excluded. They were called the Gentiles. Uh, a bit of background. When this letter was written, there was really a big division, particularly in, in, in certain areas of Palestine, the big division was between Jews and Gentiles. Jews were the descendants of Abraham, from way back in the Old Testament, they were God's people. The Gentiles were everybody else. Greeks, Romans, even Australians. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. And if you're a Gentile, you are not one of God's people. You're excluded. And this division, it's not just a minor thing. It's, it's something that's felt in, in everyday life. The Gentiles would laugh at the Jews for their customs, for the clothes that they wore, for the things that they would do. And in turn, the Jews would look down on the Gentiles. And for the Jews, this, this goes pretty deep because for them it's, it's actually about God. To, if, to a Jew, if, if you're a Gentile, you're um, unclean. You're an idol worshipper. You, you're godless. We saw this stuff in, in, in the passage that Christine read. It spoke of Gentiles as being separate, excluded, that they're foreigners, that they're far away from God, they're without hope, they're without God in the world. And it's making that point over and over and over again that when it comes to God, you Gentiles, you just don't belong. You're excluded. You're out. But here's the thing, and this is the first big point for us today. The Bible tells us that God brings people together. God brings people together. And he does it through Jesus. You would have seen it in verse 13, which we read a little earlier. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Here you see that Jesus is the great healer. He's the great healer. He puts an end to the exclusion. He puts a stop to the division. He brings Jews and Gentiles together. And you see how he does this in verse 14. Verse 14 says, For he, that is Jesus, for, for Jesus himself is our peace, 
who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. So he was talking about a, a, a barrier, a divider between Jews and Gentiles. And says this barrier is the law. It's the Old Testament law. Because you know, on the one side, the Jews had this law, right? They had God's law and they lived by it, or at least they were supposed to. On the other side of this war is the Gentiles. They were out. They didn't have God's law. They didn't know how to live to please God. And so they were excluded from God and all the good things that came with belonging to God. But Jesus has destroyed this barrier. When he died on the cross, Jesus destroyed this barrier. Because Jesus fulfills the whole law perfectly for us. But then he dies as a lawbreaker. And as he does this, he sets aside the law in the language of the passage. It's like, it's like Jesus is a wrecking ball. You've seen wrecking balls in action. They knock down walls. So Jesus is like that. He, he ends the division between Jew and Gentile. The barrier is gone. It's destroyed by Jesus. And so Jesus is the great healer because he, de- he destroys the wall that divides. And so the great healer brings a great result. And the great result is this, that there is now one new humanity. You see it in verse 15. Verse 15, Jesus, his Jesus' purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. Where there was this ancient division, Jesus makes peace. So now there's one new way to be reconciled to God, not through the law. There's not a separate way for Jews and Gentiles either. It's the same way that's open to both of them. Jesus. Coming out of this, I think there's a really clear point to make for us. Do you see how important it is to Jesus to bring Jews and Gentiles together? It costs him his own life, yet he does it anyway. If that's how important it is to Jesus to to break down this barrier, if that's the case, then we can never be those who put up new barriers, can we? New barriers like how much money we earn or don't earn. Or barriers that kind of put people like me on the inside and people who aren't like me or who are harder on the outside. There's no new barriers like a country or a culture that we come from or don't come from. There's no barriers like single or married. Here at church, these kind of barriers, we, we must never let them divide us. No matter our age, our background, our personality, our past, no matter the status the world might give us, those barriers cannot divide us in church. Because that would be to undo the kind of work that Jesus does. What we see in the Bible is that God brings people together. And did you know, us gathering together 
brings glory to God? True, it really does. Um, You might not think that that's happening today, right now, but it is. We see this a little further on in in that letter, in Ephesians. Uh, Paul is writing this letter and he talks about a mystery or, or a secret. It's something that wasn't really known before, but now he has the privilege of going around and telling people about it. And the secret is the Gentiles are not excluded anymore. But together with the Jews, they can both be reconciled to God through Jesus. Paul says this is a great mystery. And then look at, look at God's reason. Chapter 3, verse 10. Look at God's reason for doing this. Chapter 3, verse 10. Here's that he's talking about God's. God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. See, there had been that... this. Great division between Jews and Gentiles. And and let's be honest, all sorts of other divisions since in our world. Then suddenly Jesus comes along and he's like a wrecking ball to barriers. He breaks them down. And not only does he break down these barriers, but now in his name, these people who are completely different to one another, now, now they actually get together. And they form little communities called churches. And they do life together in these groups. And who could have done this? Who could possibly be responsible for this? Who could end such divisions and differences and even hostilities? And the answer, of course, is God. This is the work of God. Can you see then how great and wise God is to have done this? Sometimes you might come to church and you think, well, this just doesn't feel very special, is it? We're in the middle of a high school, primary school hall, this is not very special. Or at least, surely the world doesn't look on and think this is very special. Like, if you're an Instagram influencer, you're probably not spending your weekend going to a church, taking pictures of yourself and writing stories about what it was like. Because, by and large, our world looks on that church and doesn't see anything that's terribly important at all. But actually, when we gather here, even us here, at Trinity Church Paraka in a little school hall. When we do this, heaven stops and looks on. The heavenly creatures, the spiritual beings look on and they see what's happening here. All sorts of different people with different backgrounds, getting together, sharing life, even in spite of their differences, getting along. They look on at this and they go, wow, who else could be responsible for such a thing happening? God is very wise. Isn't that amazing? It's happening right now. It can be easy for us to lose the wonder of what God has done with us. But as we meet here, week by week, friends, know this. God is using this. God is using us to show the heavenly creatures just how wise he really is. Friends, don't lose the wonder of what God has done. One day the rest of the world is going to catch on to this. Don't lose the wonder of how good it is for us to get together as a church. The Bible is saying God gathers his people. He brings us in together. So in light of that then, Who are we? Who are we going to be? 
Well, it makes sense, doesn't it, that if God brings people together, then, then we want to be those who value gathering together. You value being around one another. You know, even if it's not always easy to get to church on a Sunday, you still make every effort to get there because I value being with my church family. And we're not those, sorry, and we're those then, like I say, who, who value the other people in our church, not just the ones who are like me, who I would get along if we worked together with, but even those who are different from me. Because I recognize it's God who's put us together, God who's drawn us together by Jesus. So we value one another. We don't, not those who put up barriers and walls, we value one another. I've been saying this for a few weeks now, so many of you will know, but, but our church has a vision. Here it is. What we'd, what we'd love to see, we'd love to see more and more people passionately living for Jesus. Here's the thing. We don't do this as lots of little individuals off on our own. And we don't even want more and more people coming and starting to live for Jesus just so they can be a little island on their own either. We want to see more and more people living for Jesus and we want to share in this mission together. We want to be passionately living for Jesus ourselves, but we want to be doing that together, sharing life with one another, doing it together. So we're those who value what God has given us. We value the church that God has given us to be part of. And that's really the big purpose we're looking at today, membership. In the last couple of weeks, we've spoken about two other purposes. The first one was magnification, that we are ambitious in life now for God's glory, for God's honour. We've also looked at mission, that we're those who join God in his mission to save people through Jesus. But today, here's what we see. Membership. We are those who delight in the church God has given us to be part of. That's what the Bible says. That's, that's who we are. That's what we're going to value. So what does that look like for us then, practically speaking? What is, what is, how does membership affect the way that we live? In, in some sense, you could say heaps here, um, but we don't want to be sitting down forever and ever. I'm pretty sure that's not going to help our membership, but you'll probably all walk out after a few hours. So let me just say four things instead. Four things. Ready? Here we go. First one, join. If you're someone who follows Jesus, join a church. Maybe you already feel like you're part of one. Many of you, no doubt, here are part of our church. Um, but it's very simple, isn't it? We can't delight in the church God has given us if we never actually join a church. So join a church. Let me be a little more specific, though. Because I think we can hear you know, joining a church and think in the back of my head, okay, yep, I can sign up. Where do I need to sign up? Um, once I sign up, then I'm a member, right? But I'll say no. Actually, joining a church is not a matter of signing on a line anywhere. Joining church is a matter of the heart. You joining a church is a heart issue because it's in your heart that you decide, here's the people I'm going to be committed to. Here's the people I'm going to do life with. Here's the people I'm going to serve and be on mission with and grow in faith with and try to honour God with. Joining a church is a matter of the heart. And, you know, you might want to do some other things there like talk to a pastor or a leader to find a little, bit, a little bit more out about the church. And in fact, I really want to do that with anyone here. If you're thinking of joining our church, come and chat to me. But, but, but at its heart, joining a church is not going through a process or signing on a dotted line. Joining a church is an issue of your heart. 
Where are you committed? So let me ask then, in your heart, have you committed yourself to church yet? To our church yet? Number two then, be here. Be committed to actually being here on a Sunday. And by this, I don't mean, you know, I expect everyone to be here all of the time. 100% attendance awards, come on, let's go. Because of course we're going to get sick or work's going to take us away every now and again or maybe we go away on holidays and things like this. And so clearly we can't be here all the time when these things are happening. And I don't want us to make up rules around this either. Like, you know, friends, you only get five Sundays off a year, so make them count. And if you go for a sixth Sunday, well, look out then, something's wrong. Or we can't... Here are a list of acceptable reasons to be away from church. And if your reason doesn't line up with one of these, then I'm sorry, friends, but you're going to get a phone call. No, nothing like that. That, that, that would be ridiculous. I mean, that would be anti-gospel. The gospel is all about grace. We are people who are under grace, not a people under law. We don't want to write laws like that. But, but simply to that, I just want to encourage you all, where you're able, would you be here with us? Have a higher bar for what will make you miss out on church. And you know, your presence here is something that's actually good for us. You might not even know how you do this, but even sometimes your presence here will spur someone on. And, and it's only by being here that you'll notice the person who needs your encouragement or, or the person who needs someone to pray with or the newcomer who... Just need someone to greet them and help them find their feet in a new church. So friends, whenever you're here, whenever you're able, will you be here with us? Third thing, uh, give. And I want to make this really clear. I'm talking now to you if this is your church family, if you've made the decision to join here. So you, you might be here today and you're visiting... You might be here today and you're not really sure if this is your church yet. You might be here and you're not really sure about uh, Jesus yourself yet. And I want to say to you guys, by all means, listen in, but I'm really going to say stuff now to those people who call Trinity Church Paraka their church. And here it is. If we are your church family, are you giving yet? Are you doing your bit for the family budget? Are you expressing your membership with your wallet? And here again, I don't want to lay down a bunch of rules like you know everyone's got to pitch in this amount or this percentage of your income because again, we're not under law. We're people who are under grace. That's the gospel. But the gospel actually gives us the best picture. The gospel gives us the best demonstration of giving because in the gospel we meet Jesus, the one who was rich beyond measure, yet for our sakes he became poor so that we, through his poverty, might become rich. And Jesus gives us some principles. As we look at Jesus, he gives us some principles to consider about giving. You can look at these in places like 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. But, but let, me, let me give you a few, some principles to think through uh, about giving. That is, that it's deliberate, that it's generous, that it's sacrificial and cheerful. And in fact, there's something important I want to tell you about giving today. Uh, friends, we've got a new bank account, our own bank account. 
Yeah. <laughs> of all the things that you can get a cheer for in church, right? Um, there's the details on the screen. Look, if you want to whip out your phone and take a picture of that now, you can. Um, but to let you know, these details will be in the weekly email. Um, our website recently has been updated, so they're on there as well. I'll post the details up in our little Facebook community group. But um, there they are. Look, if you're still giving the old way, you, you, your money will still come to us. Um, uh, but it's best to update that information when you can. Uh, that's, that's a bit to the side. Though. The real point I want to ask now, um, is Trinity Church Paraka your church family? And if your answer to that is yes, are you giving? Fourth thing I want to talk about is an attitude to have. Uh, something I think is a useful attitude to have as we try and figure out how we do life together. And here it is. As we go deep with some, that we stay open to all. If we value our, our membership here, our church, that is, if we value the people that are part of our church, we want to go deep with some and stay open to all. Let me talk about that. Being deep with some, by that I mean that we really do relationally invest in the lives of one another. This is why we do community groups. You know, Even a church that's our size, where we've got 70 or 80 here, we can know everyone's name and know a little bit about them, but we can't know everyone deeply. I think that's just a reality. Once you get past, say, some of us 20, some of us 30, some of us 40 people. But our community groups are different because here's a smaller group of people. Now, we might see each other on Sunday, but we, we also see each other a bit more intensely on, during the week a small group where we can get to know one another a bit more easily, where we have more of a chance to spend life together and go more deeply than perhaps we can on a Sunday. I'm going to talk more about community groups next week, including, I think, what the big purpose why we do these. But here's a great benefit of being part of a group. In these groups, there's a, bunch of, a smaller bunch of people that we can get to go deeper with week after week. But of course, you're not just limited to the people in your community group. You can go deep with others too. Um, so I want to say, look out for those opportunities that you have to grow more connected to one another. And it might be something just like catching up with someone for a coffee during the week or maybe a beer at the pub. Having uh, someone over for food in your house. Going out for lunch after church. Maybe joining the same gym as someone so you can do your workouts together or, or joining a community play group with another family so you can take your bubs along hang out with one another and get to know some other people as well I mean there's a ton of things you could say there but what are those opportunities that you can take to connect with one another a bit more because if we value church if we value the people in our church we don't just want surface relationships with everyone we actually do want to go deep with some people but at the same time we want to stay open to all right so it's good and right to enjoy those deep connections, those old friendships, but, but never at the expense of excluding others. So imagine for a moment, someone is part of our church and for whatever reason, they just feel like they're on the fringes a little bit. They try to come as often as they can. They put in effort to get here, but it feels like when they're here, maybe no one really notices them. And sometimes they wonder to themselves, look, if I stopped coming, would anyone really notice at all? Or 
imagine someone else around it. Someone who's new comes in the door. They're, they're really nervous because it's the first time they've been to church in years, but they got a postcard in the letterbox and they decided, well, actually, yeah, I do need to reconnect with God, isn't it? So they take the brave decision of coming along here. But imagine then when they get here that no one really gives them much time, maybe a quick smile or a, a brief hello. They notice lots of people chatting in groups and it looks like they love each other. They're having deep conversation, but, but no one actually breaks away to properly meet, meet, meet this new person. Imagine if that happened. I think all of us here go, no, we don't want that to take place. Not here, ever. We all agree that would just be awful. We don't want that to, to happen. I think all of us actually want this place to be a really welcoming place. And can I say, friends, from my vantage point, I do see you trying to do that. And I always say thanks to God when I see that happening. Because it's, it's exactly what we want to be doing. I, I thank God for you group, you guys. So me bringing this up today is to say, let's keep doing that, friends. Let's keep doing. Let's being those who let's keep being those who make time for others outside your normal social networks. Let's keep being those who are prepared to leave a group conversation so we can go and meet someone who's sitting on their own. Let's keep being those who are prepared to take a friend with us so we can go and meet. Meet, uh, meet someone who's new, but they don't just get to meet me, they get to meet the person I'm with as well. Let's keep having that heart that stays open to all. Yes, go deep with some, and as you do, stay open to all. That's my four. Today we've seen that God brings people together. God brings his people together. It's good for us, isn't it? We might not be all the same, but God brings us together and he does it through Jesus. And as he does, it brings honour to him. The heavenly creatures look on and say, wow, how good is God? So who are we then? We want to be those who value being together, who value gathering together and who value one another. Friends, I've given us just four kind of brief ways that this might impact us. So I want to end by saying... Is there one of those things, I'll bring them back on the screen as well, is there one of these that God is especially laying on your heart today that you can go and do something about? Is there just one? Why don't I pray for us, that God will be outworking us in, re- in responding to his word. Let me pray. Our great God and Father, who could do what you have done? Bringing together people of all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of paths, all sorts of family histories, all sorts of different life situations. You've brought us together through Jesus, through his blood to belong to you. We thank you, God, that you've given us church and a family here to be part of. And our prayer is this. Lord, help us love one another. Help us express our membership together. And Father, if there's areas in which we can keep doing this better, or new things that we need to start. Please lay it on our hearts so that we'd be those who don't just hear your word now and go away and forget it. But we want to be those who hear your word now and let it shape our lives before you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.